it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 553 for June 30th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth, installment 57 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine. Um, yeah, no, our, our, our break of summer weather has continued, but instead of it being like stupid hot to make everything melt, it's just the perfect temperature, 22 Celsius during the day. Spot on. Nice, nice. Well, I got to tell you, I've been having all kinds of fun with my homework, but I am going to embarrass you before we get started. Um, I want to tell the uh, this audience that I wrote a blog post over on podfeed.com. If you guys are interested, I'd like you to go look to uh, for an episode entitled, Listening to Bart Really Pays Off. It's a story about uh, some problems I had with my website and all the little places along the way, things that Bart has taught me in programming by stealth and taming the terminal and in security bits that he does on the NoSilicast that all came together to allow me to get from A to Z and get to a solution and figure out figure out the problem, figure out the solution. And I mean, there was editing of JavaScript, understanding a little tiny bit of PHP. There was, uh, you know, understanding how the database worked. There was uh, knowing about plugins and themes and all these things that Bart has been teaching. And uh, because I listened to him after he keeps giving me all this information, I was able to solve my problem. And as I told Bart off the air, I am often thinking, when am I ever going to use this Bart? I don't need to know that. <laughs> but it turns out if you listen long enough, you're going to know a lot of stuff. So, Well, and it's, it's more about the big picture stuff than the specifics, right? If all you remember is that it's possible, that's enough, because then the Googles will be enough to get you the rest of the way there. Yeah, there or were quite a few, to, is, quite a much, quite a bit much of Googles. <laughs> yeah, and if you just remember the big picture stuff, right? We never, we haven't looked at PHP together yet, but if you know a JavaScript if statement, a PHP if statement, not a million miles off. So if you're looking at someone else's code, you're you're going to pick up the gist of it pretty well. Like if you know if you speak German, you'll pick up a Dutch conversation fairly well. Right, right, and, and I think I think two things. You make me feel powerful because I can do this stuff. And the way you got me there was I have I don't have fear. I know I know what I can do, and I know what won't destroy the world. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm fearless. I may be an idiot, but I'm fearless when I go into this stuff because I know the repercussions of what I'm going to do are not going to be catastrophic. Yeah, and it's it's just basically becoming ever more comfortable and at home in in the techie in the nerdy universe that that we all live in, and. It, yeah, it's empowering is a great word because the, the reason I love being able to program is precisely because it means I get to tell the computer what to do. I mean, that is literally <laughs> what programming is about. It's you telling the computer what to do. And that's how it should be. The machine shouldn't be telling me what to do. I should be telling it what to do. And I, and I think that's why uh, Tim Cook and Apple are so keen on teaching kids to code. Because you're not afraid of a computer when you're the boss of it. <laughs> well, this was a case of the of the of the computer back talking to me, and so it needed it, to be put it in its attitude. place. It had attitude. I needed to go in and tell it who was boss, and I won. So uh, okay. it definitely worked. I didn't want to re- derail the whole uh, session or anything, but go look for listening to Bart really pays off over on Podfeed.com. Now we should probably start getting stuck in on our uh, talking about the assignment from last week. Well, before we do that, let's just uh, set ourselves a little picture for today. So we we keep talking about Bootstrap as being sort of four legs of a stool. You have the utility classes as the first leg of the stool, and we covered those in pretty good detail. And then you had what Bootstrap calls content, which both of us agree is a terrible name. 
but it's basically the bootstrap uh, CSS classes for styling your standard HTML components, your tables, your figures, your images, all that kind of stuff. And we covered that pretty well on the previous two installments. Uh, so today we're ready to move on to the third of our four legs, which is the layout part of uh, Bootstrap. And it's a fairly big chunk because the same functionality which we're going to talk about is the so-called Bootstrap Grid. The grid gives us the ability to create layouts that are responsive. Uh, so the idea being that you make one layout and that same layout with the same code could be, say, one long column when you're looking at it on your phone and then one sidebar and a wide column when you're looking at it on your iPad and then a sidebar, a middle bit and another sidebar when you're looking at it on your desktop. And it would be the one page with the one set of code and yet it responds to the different screen sizes. That's called responsive design. And Bootstrap's grid is designed to do that. But if you're not used to responsive design, it's really, really hard to go from zero to a responsive design in one go. Hmm. And I think it's one of the things that people who try to learn Bootstrap in five minutes, their head just explodes because it's (laughs) too much. So we're breaking it in two. Oh, good, good. So this week, I want you to only keep your browser window wide. (laughs) So today we're just going to deal with how things look on a desktop. And we're just going to learn to put things where we want when we have a wide viewport, when we're using it basically on a normal computer. And then next week, or next time, we're going to learn the extra steps we can use to take a design that works on one screen size and to then start making decisions. Okay, so this is how it'll look on a desktop. Now, when I have less space, what do I want to happen? You know, do I want this column to go above this one or below this one? Do I want it to collapse? Do I, you know, how do hmm. I want this page to respond to there being less room? Hmm. And so that's the responsive part. And so we'll do that next time. And today we're just going to look at the sort of this using the grid to put this thing over here and that thing over there, which is, you know, more than what we get on with for one week. Okay, okay. Oh, one thing I wanted to uh, tell the audience, I was looking at a site called w3techs.com. This is a site that um, monitors the internet and measures the number of, um, the amount of a certain technology across the top 10 million websites. So, for example, according to to W3Techs, WordPress is 31.1% of all websites, uh, of the top 10 million websites are running WordPress. If you look at just those that are running content management systems, 60% of them are running WordPress. But within each section, so that's just about content management systems, they also Mm -hmm. have a section, fastest growing content management in the last uh, month. And WordPress is also the fastest growing one. But if you keep going down, there's a section on JavaScript libraries. The number one, 73% of websites use jQuery. Well, I think we've... Okay, so I picked well for that one. Right. And if they use a JavaScript library, 97% of them are using JavaScript or jQuery. But guess what the fastest growing JavaScript library is? Bootstrap. Excellent. Yeah. Now, it doesn't have a big number. It's got 437 sites used it since... uh, Started using it since May. But, uh, you know, baby steps. I presume this is Bootstrap 4. It just says Bootstrap. It doesn't uh, doesn't call it out. But, yeah, I wonder uh, how they're counting it, because Bootstrap 3 was pretty darn ubiquitous before they went to Bootstrap 4. Right, but remember, but this anyway. is compared to jQuery, so... Well, that's, that, that is true. Bootstrap is 
Bootstrap is pretty out there. Like, it's pretty popular. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah. okay, so I'm glad. Anyway, I'm glad it, it would yeah. be terrible if you said to me, and 0.001% of <laughs> the, our best websites in the world are using the technologies that you chose, Bart. Well done. Well, I was kind of surprised to see that Square, Squarespace is 1.2% of the websites. I can see why. It has a certain charm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yes. So let us look at last uh, the challenge from last time. And so we have been working on building up our recipe. You've been doing popcorn. I've been doing roasted cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to keep doing that for a while, actually. So I had you do some more stuff to it this time. And then your next assignment, your challenge at the end of this is going to be another tweak to that. And then when we learn how to do responsive stuff, you're going to get one final and last go at tweaking it. And actually, we may even keep using it when we move on to the final leg of the stool too, now that I think about it. So basically, it's it sort of become our playground for everything. So this time, what I asked you to do was just a few little tweaks. So the first thing was to take the image I had asked you to include last time and to turn it into a responsive image, which means that as you shrink the page ever smaller, once the width of the page becomes, or the width of the viewport, if you keep to the right lingo, once the viewport becomes smaller than the image, the image will shrink so that it's always fully visible so that you don't have to scroll the image to see the image. And that was a very simple case of adding the CSS class IMG-fluid onto the IMG tag itself. Hey presto, part one finished. Right. Uh, the ne- second part then was to style the uh, figure. So a figure is an image and a related caption together. So you have the figure tag, which groups inside it, an image tag, and then a fig caption tag, which captures the caption for the figure. Um, now, by default, Bootstrap doesn't do very much to figures because it's sort of Bootstrap's approach to a lot of things where it has a strong opinion. It sort of lets you opt into the opinionated Bootstrap style, which you do by giving the figure the class figure. So that was the first thing we had to do, was to opt in to having Bootstrap take charge of our figure. And so that meant adding the class figure to your figure. And also adding the class uh, figure-img to the image and figure-caption to the fig caption. So you had to add three classes to get opted in. Yeah, now I I sent you a question on this that I got a little, um, I think I might be jumping ahead a little bit about where we talked. a little, but carry on. Okay, but do you want me to wait till we get to where we're going to align it? I was going to say, at this stage, we now have a figure, but it isn't, it's just a default bootstrap figure. And then the next thing I had asked you to do once you'd opted in was to position it whatever way worked best for your particular recipe. So I think I said that you could float it or you could center it are two sensible things you might consider doing or maybe something else. So you went with float, I'm guessing? Well, yeah, I wanted to float it. And where I got a little bit... um I get a little bit tangled was trying to keep the uh, caption centered underneath the image. And I know we, we talked mm-hmm. about uh, making it not a block level. Is that what we did? Or did I get it backwards? Okay, so whether or not it's a block level has nothing to do with what happens inside the figure. right? So the figure is itself a little piece of content. So if you simply put text minus center on the figure then the image and the text will be centered within the figure. So that will keep Wait, the text what do, centered Wait, what do you put minus, something minus center? What did you say? Text minus center. So the utility class for centering text is text minus center. We learned about that. But we that aren't talking about first. the text. I'm talking about the image and the text. Right. Okay. So a figure consists of image and text. So within the figure, you want the image and the text to both be centered so that they are straight under each other. Yes. Right. 
So the first thing you have to do before you do anything else is to get that much right. So you do that by giving the class text dash center to the figure. Hang, so then hang, you know hang, that everything in... Hang on. So text, you're saying that text dash center affects the the image as well as the text. If you put it on the figure, right, the figure contains the image and the text. Remember, right. HTML is nested, nested buckets inside buckets inside buckets. So if I say to the bucket that contains the image and the text that I want that one centered, well, then the image and the text have just become centered within the bucket. So say, I'm, I, I know I'm repeating myself and I know you're repeating yourself, but you're saying that centering the text causes, using text-center causes the image to also to be centered? Or is okay. that just We're making applying... one with respect to the, the text with respect to the image? Okay, so the scope of that statement is the tag you apply it to. So we're applying it to the figure tag. The figure tag contains two things. Mm-hmm. So between the start of the figure tag and the end of the figure tag, everything will be centered inside the figure, is what we're saying. But, okay, it's counterintuitive to me that you get to use the word text when you mean the text and the image, the fig caption and the image. That's odd. Because an image behaves like a giant big letter, right? In HTML, an image behaves like the world's biggest letter, right? It is an inline block element. Okay. Hmm. It's... It's yeah. It's the same as the old. Definitely don't do this. HTML center attribute. Hmm. Yeah, I've never success. Your- I I always have trouble with this in in the old HTML center days. I I never had it right either. So I'm not surprised. But that is interesting. So I've got to think of the image as a big letter. Think okay. of the image as a giant big letter. Yeah. Okay. And in the world of smileys, that's not the hardest thing to do. <laughs> that you that was more weird to do before we had smileys everywhere. So if I've got my figure, I've got it text dash center, that would naturally center the image on the page, but we're going to do this... Not on the page. No, not on the page, right? We're applying text dash center to the figure. So inside the figure, imagine that the figure is the universe. Inside that little mini universe, everything is now centered. Then the second problem is what do we do with our little mini universe? Okay. Remember, HTML is all about nesting, right? So it's... Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. centering in terms of the page because you're applying the tag to the figure, so you're centering inside the figure. But so when you we now say, have everything. But when we say w dash fifty, we're saying make it fifty percent, and it's going to be on right. on the right. Um, okay, but but that that instruction that class is at the same level as where we're seeing text dash center. Right. Okay. Because when you center the text, you're saying that everything inside me should be centered. And when you're saying width equals 50, you're saying I should be 50, right? In both cases, the I... So everything inside me is centered and I am half the width of the screen. Yeah, see, that, that's kind of funny. You would want one... Uh, mentally, I want one to be nested inside the other if the instruction is nested as well, but it's not. They're both at the same level. One is saying I am at 50 and the other one is saying things inside me are centered. But they're both yep. in the class for me. That, that's a little weird, but okay. But that it is. That's how they work. But right? it is. That's how text styling works. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's how bold or anything else works too, right? That's how you set fonts, right? It's everything inside me is bold. Everything inside me is Times New Roman. Everything inside okay. me is Comic Sans. So Don't do float that. dash right and W dash 50. I will float right. I haven't asked the question yet. Float okay. dash right and W dash 50. I don't need both of those. Oh, no, I do because uh, I'm yes, telling it how do. big I am. Yeah, otherwise you're going to have a full-width image that's floating to the right, which is very okay. indistinguishable from one that isn't. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And uh. then everything inside it remains centered because you said text-center. 
Yeah, so everything yeah, is now yeah. as you want. Okay, okay, I'm I'm getting it. It, it. Making mistakes is how I learn. So so that's good. Oh, it's how everyone learns. Yeah, right? it, it's and I mean I spent a very substantial part of this week in work absolutely bashing my head off poor documentation. Mm-hmm. And it was basically finding out the 10,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> and I found the way that does work. And I was like, well, if only someone had written one sentence, just one, I, this would have saved me all this trouble. Right, right. Anyway, um, yeah. That's another here, another. The ES, ES doc is a lovely library for doing documentation. It's nicer than JS doc, except for the fact that the person who wrote the documentation believes in sparsity. <laughs> Brevity, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and their English is clearly not their first language either, so that's that's not a good mix. Anyway. The other thing I um, wanted to say with respect to trying to figure this stuff out, you told me last time uh, to quit my whining and go look at validator.w3.org and to shove my... my, uh, You didn't say quit your whining. Those are my words, of course. I was just going to say, I didn't (laughs) quite phrase it like that. Um, But uh, I was able to... I copied all my text and I splatted it into validator.w3.org. And that was really, really eye-opening. I had lots of mistakes. I I mean, riddled with mismatched tags. And it was just forgiving me a lot of it. I'm surprised the page rendered at all with how many things where like I'd had a DT to open and it was ended with a P or something. You know, I just had them all mixed up. Um, Easy uh, to do. Yeah, yeah. So um, that did help me a lot. That was really good, uh, good advice. But they told me something you had never told us. They said that you yeah, should we, say what language the page is in. Well, in that's your an HTML. I. So they give suggestions, they give hints and tips, and then they give. So you have like in red means you're wrong. Oh yeah. In yellow means you're you no. Know, that's a warning. It's not quite an error, but it's you mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. And then they also give you helpful tips. And so the language thing is a helpful tip because it can help a search engine classify your page correctly. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I got all, I got it all, all my errors gone, including the, the, you know, here's a suggestion one. So I was very proud of myself at the end. That's excellent. Because in this case, we're not publishing this to the web. So the language makes no difference. Mm -hmm. But if you were doing this on podfeed.com or something, then actually it would be very helpful to do everything you can to help out the Googles figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Or any other bot that happens to come wandering by. I'm sure (laughs) Bing has one too, you know. So you chose to float. I chose the other approach, uh, which is to center my figure. So very similar to what you had to do. So I had to give the class figure to the figure, the class figure-img to the image, and the class figure-caption to the fig-caption. And I also centered my text. But then instead of moving the whole thing to the right, what I wanted to do is put the thing in the middle. And so I decided, so the only way that that works is to give it a D-dash block because Bootstrap's, in Bootstrap's opinionated opinion, as soon as you give it the class figure, it becomes an inline block element and I wanted it to behave like a block. So I basically had to go D-dash block to sort of stomp on top, to sort of supersede that. Okay. Uh, The next thing I asked you to do then was to style your table. Um, since my table was quite physically small, I had mine at 25% wide, I decided to give it the class table to make it into an opinionated table, and then to give it also the class table-sm to make it the more compact version of a table. So that was the first thing I did. And then last time I had given mine the utility class H2 in the heading of my table to make it look like a regular heading on the page. But now that we have an opinionated table, that's not needed. So I stripped that away. 
and then I decided to make my my header light with the T head dash light class on the table header. And then, given that the sort of I wanted the the table to sort of not vie for attention quite as much as the instructions, I decided to give the entire table text dash muted, just hmm. to sort of fade it back a little. And then, just to make life easier, I gave it a table dash hover so that as you move over the rows, they highlight themselves. Oh yeah! So yeah. I, mm-hmm. I popped my full sample solution into PBS fifty six dash challenge solution, which is sitting in the zip file for this installment. So I had enough fun with this that I started adding more figures and doing more things to them. Um, Great! So I ended up with uh, I went and got a picture of my my I have a very cute little popcorn bowl and uh, and and salt shaker that makes it look really cute together and I took a picture of that and I made it an oval by doing making the whole thing round and put borders oh. on things I mean my I'm I'm downtown man I got all kinds of stuff going on here um, but I I got a little tangled in a couple of things when looking at the mm-hmm. table. Um, and, and this came into play when I was doing the validator was trying to put a caption on a table. Cause you told us we could do captions on tables. Right. But a caption is a description, not a heading. I didn't so say it was a, a heading on your table. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't say that. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure that when you say caption, you mean the same thing. I mean a caption. Yeah. So, okay. um, what I learned that really shocked and surprised me was that the caption has to be the, the first thing under the table. Yep. So I'm sitting there yes, putting it, it at the bottom because it's going to be at the bottom and it's just like eh, not doing it. And and so in the validator, it said uh, it, it. The nice thing about the validator is it doesn't just go, you're wrong. It says, hey, maybe you want to go read these things about what you did wrong. And it gave and it gave a thing mm-hmm. to caption. And it said, so I have to have the fir- the there's a line that says table and the next line down says caption. And then it was it was beautiful. It was lovely. Yep. And I and- thought that was kind of interesting. That surprised me. Well, where's that tape of me saying, I did actually tell you this, but anyway, we did talk about it, and it surprised you then, too. The table tag is very pernickety, probably the best word for it, because you have to have the caption first, and then you have to have the heading, and then I think if memory serves, if you have one, the footer should come next, and then the body can come after that. It's all a, it, It's very, I have to go read the docs every time, yeah, because if you get the yeah. order wrong, it just kind of goes, nope. I'm pretty sure you didn't tell us in the text because I did go back and reread everything you'd written and I couldn't figure it out. So that's when I went to the uh, uh, validator and found out the answer from them. I think when we did tables many moons ago, I would have mentioned that because it's always on the top of my mind and I would have gone and read the docs before doing the show notes precisely because I regularly walk into this wall myself. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's, it's... it's like that glass door that no one put any markings on. I quite regularly go, ba-doing. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple other things. Um, we had a what we were calling a definition list, but it's actually, they changed the name of it to description list. And we've been calling it sure a definition list. No, I, I think definition list jumps out at me a little bit better, but it's not actually called that anymore. So if uh, people get confused when they see a description list, I wanted to mention that. Um, where I found it was somebody going... I hate that they changed the name of this. Um, the, there's still something a little bit odd, though. I've, I, I'm, I'm really curious how the specificity works. It might be a specificity thing, but I've got a, uh, I've got a figure and I've got my description list, and the mm-hmm. order that I put them in the HTML changes whether or not it obeys my float left and float right. So I've got a, I've got a figure. 
that says float left and I've got my mm-hmm. my description lift list which is a float right. And if I put the description list first, the one that wants to be float right and the other one float left, it does not f- obey me. I have to have them in that order and I don't understand why. Um it may be to do with widths that there isn't enough room to float one way or the other. Sometimes those can get a bit hinky. It, if there's anything in the markup that's a bit wrong, there's, there's no reason you can't float left and right unless there's tags that aren't quite right. Oh, no, my my, my validator says everything's perfect, Bart. <laughs> okay, well, now, there may not be enough space, but as a general rule, you can float left and right. So that's not... It's that's not expected not behavior. Okay. It's not expected behavior. So... That's interesting. Now I've said a width of five hundred for my That's my half figure. The width. No, 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 no. Okay, a width of five hundred. Oh, of five hundred. Of five hundred. Yeah. So how did you set that width? Uh, width equals quote five hundred. Width equals okay. So as a width attribute. Yeah. On what? On the tag? F- did you put that attribute on the image itself? Okay, that will work on an image. And did you then float the image, or did you float the figure? I floated the div wrapping them. The div wrapping them. What's I wrapped. The I, I wrapped the the description list in a in a div, and I wrapped the uh, the image or the figure in a div. Should I have not done that? Is there anything else in the div around the definition list? Um, no. So is that just wasted code? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. But it shouldn't make it wrong, should it? It shouldn't make it wrong unless there's some sort of unless the divs aren't nested correctly. If, so I just tried I tried shrinking up the width of the of the image just now, and mm-hmm. one will go to the left and one will go to the right, but they're both shoved to the left, so it's not obeying the float right. Okay, well, what's it inside? Because it may be floating to the right of something. If you've made another container, it's only going to float to the right of its container, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's buckets all the way down. Mm-hmm. So if it's contained inside something that's not the width of the whole screen, then it's not going to float all the way to the right of the screen because it's not floating on the screen. It's floating inside its container. So the container that it's in is this, you you gave us a, a big div uh, container-fluid MT-3 at the very top. And then okay, you had div so class equals row space M3. It's inside both of those. And it's not inside anything else? I don't think so. The developer tools will let you see what it's inside. So if you click that little shotgun target. I'm in Code Runner. See. I'm in Code Runner. I don't know how to, but I'd have to, no, I, if I could open it. Right, so open it in. Okay. We don't need to spend too much more time on this, but I just uh, wanted the, the path yeah, to so how to figure to the, it out. So from a big picture point of view, so the way I would figure it out would be with the visualizations you get from that target tool in the dev tools, because that will show you what it's physically, what it's contained in. Because I think what right. will happen is you'll find that there's a there's a box somewhere you didn't expect there to be a box, and mm-hmm. it's floating to the right of a smaller box or something like that. Okay, that's good advice. What I want to know is how to it, find it, not not just the answer, right? Exactly, and I mean the answer will be completely different every time. So basically, that that dev tool, that little target tool, is there to show you each of the various boxes that make up your page. Mm-hmm. And so the box itself will be shown, and its padding and its margin will be shown in different colors. And so as you're moving around, pointing at things, you can see you can see what's invisible, which is yeah. the actual structure of all the different divs and things. We may have to do this offline, usually, but it's not inside anything. It's inside the giant outer box. Whereas other things are inside littler boxes. 
Interesting. Um, well, okay, you definitely can float both left and right at the same time, assuming there's room. And one would bang to the um, left and one bang to the right? Yeah, and if there's not enough room, one will go below the other. Hmm. That is definitely not happening. Well, we can do this offline, but now you give me a place to start. But uh, yeah, I don't know yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's sort of general advice. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at our bootstrap grid. Yay. So way, 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 way back in installments eight and nine, we learned how to lay things out using pure CSS. And we learned about Flexbox and position and all these kind of things. And basically, the takeaway was layout is hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy, and quite a bit of frustration to get nice, pure CSS layouts. It can absolutely be done, because there's nothing you can do in Bootstrap you can't do without Bootstrap, because it's not magic, it's just CSS. But it's much easier if someone else has done the hard work for you. Much, much easier. And that's where uh, Bootstrap's grid really, really shines. So a Bootstrap grid consists of a grid container, which contains one or more grid rows, which contains one or more grid columns. So Not to be confused with tables. Not to be confused with tables. Okay. Container contains rows, contains calls. A container can only contain rows. And a, and a row can only contain columns. So you can't like have a container that has a heading and then a row. No, no. It contains containers contain rows. Now there is one slight asterisk on that statement. There is one weird situation where the docs say, and in this one specific situation, put your columns straight into your container and don't bother with rows. But that's an edge case, and we'll pretend that doesn't exist because <laughs> it's it, it just confuses everything for no good reason. So your container contains rows. Your rows contain columns. Now, twelve is a magic number. I want you to always, always think of in 12s. If you're doing stuff in Bootstrap, you're thinking in 12s. So the container is conceptually always, 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 always divided into 12 what I call atomic rows. They're not, or sorry, atomic columns. They're not actual columns. They're just 12 imaginary columns. It's like having a lined notebook that is 12 vertical lines equally spaced apart. Hmm. And you measure everything inside the grid in terms of these atomic columns. So if you want to have a sidebar and a main window, you have to decide, do I want 3 out of 12 for the sidebar, leaving me with 9 out of 12 for the main content? Or would I prefer to have 4 for the sidebar, and that would then leave me with 8 for the main? Or maybe I want 2 sidebars, so I'll take 3, 3, and 6. Whatever you're doing, 12 is the magic number. So if you want 4 columns, why don't you give it by 3? I guess it makes sense Which, because if they'd done 10, you wouldn't be able to do by 3. 12's yeah, got 12, 12 has 3's and 4's and 2's, so you can do half and thirds and quarters. Shut up. Don't be, you don't need any more granularity than that. Basically, it's for the same reason that there are 12 hours in a day. It's because it, the H has knew that 12 is a number that divides really nicely in fractions. Hmm. So you can half it with 6, you can give quarters, you can give thirds. Uh, it's, it's a nice number. So 12 is the magic number for Bootstrap. It's all it's all about the 12s. Um, now, it's all about the 12s. So 12 means full width. But that doesn't mean that it's wrong to have more than 12 worth in a row. What will happen is it will simply overflow and make your quote-unquote row two rows tall. 
It'll still be called one row, but it will be two physical rows tall. Which is another one of those, oh, I wish you'd name these things a little bit differently. But so be it. And that fact, while it sounds weird and it sounds silly and it sounds counterintuitive, that fact is absolutely positively vital to Bootstrap's implementation of responsiveness. If you think about it, if you have three columns, then you have a row with three calls in it. And if you make the screen smaller, what you actually want to happen is for that row to spread itself over three rows and effectively become one tall column. So that's why it has to be possible for a row to spread over multiple rows. Say say that example is, again. That didn't I didn't follow you. Okay, so you have three columns next to each other when you're looking at it on your big Mac. No, I have twelve. Have, I always have twelve. Okay, you have twelve ato- Okay, you have twelve units, twelve atomic columns, mm-hmm. which you have chosen to use as three actual columns. Oh, you can make them be fewer than. Okay, I thought there there's 12, always twelve. No, no, there are always twelve hypothetical lines on your page. Okay. How many real columns there are can be anything you like. So you can have one column that's 12 virtual columns wide. Okay, okay. Right, so the atomic columns are just the lines in the copybook. Okay. But you're going to, if you do four, four, and four, you have three actual columns is what you're saying. Exactly. So you have three actual columns, each four atomic columns wide. So if you have three actual columns of equal width on your desktop and you resize your browser window uh, and that just becomes not viable, what you actually want Bootstrap to do is to take those three that are beside each other and stack them on top of each other. Okay. So you effectively have a row that has three rows inside it. Hmm. And that's kind of what keeps happening as you're doing the responsive stuff. So although it continues to be called one row, it may physically have multiple things on top of each other, and it will still be called a row in Bootstrap. It is then a collapsed row. Okay. And that makes a lot of people's heads hurt. Because a column isn't a column. There's 12 of them, but you can have as many or as few as you like. (laughs) And a row can have multiple rows in it. Hmm. It's not the nicest terminology on the planet, but that is what it is. And so therefore I'm putting a pin in it and basically saying, you're going to not like this, but there there it is. And I'm going to ask you this whole thing again later, right? Yep. Yeah, and okay. it's gonna. Yeah, okay. it's very confusing. It, it, do not feel bad. Do not feel even slightly bad. It, it is genuinely confusing. Now let's get a little bit practical. So containers contain rows, contain columns. So how do I make something be a container? You give it the CSS class container <laughs> or container dash fluid. So what's the difference? Container gives you a fixed width container, which is very much like the thing you dislike so much about BartB.ie. <laughs> One centered piece of content of a certain width and any extra space there happens to be is evenly distributed left and right. Now, it's called a fixed width, but it's not one fixed width. It's actually a collection of fixed widths because as you resize your browser window, the quote-unquote fixed width will jump between, I think it's four predefined fixed widths. Hmm. But for today, we're keeping it at the widest of them. So again, this is because Bootstrap is designed to be responsive. Okay, so I didn't follow width. what you just said at all. If that's important, okay, good. You I have a, I have an example. No, no, okay, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm going to show you what I told you. 
Okay. I'm telling you made no sense, so I'm going to show you, and that will make a lot more sense. Okay. So if you open the file, pbs57a.html, you will see that I have created for you two containers. One of them I have given the class... Okay, so if you look at the page we have inside the body, it says div class equals container. And then inside that, we have div class equals row. And inside that, we have div class equals call dash 12. just got it open. <laughs> I, I, I had everything downloaded, but uh, so start again. So now I'm looking at 57A. 57A. So inside the body tag, there's two divs, one above the other. Right. Yes. One's container, one's uh, container def- fluid. Yes. Okay. So down below, container I have made be blue and container fluid I've made be gray. So resize your window and see how the two behave differently. Okay. So the fluid one goes all the way edge to edge, and the container one has some margin or padding, whichever one of those things it is. But it kind of jumps as it changes size. Exactly. So it has a number of possible widths, and as depending on what screen size it's at, it's going to be at one of its possible widths. Okay. Whereas the fluid one is always 100%. Hmm. Well, so that is the difference between the two. Okay. I'm just wondering whether that would still be visible if you hadn't put margin and padding on that. Yeah, uh, the yeah. margin and padding are there just so that the two containers don't smash into each other. Uh, okay. It's MY, so it's on the Y-axis. Okay. But- and the padding is on the inside so that the word container has some space around it. Okay. All right. It's margin so, on the outside, then border, then padding. So now I see what I see the effect. Can you say again what it was? Describe what that. Okay. So the, the generic container. way of saying that. Okay. So the class container will have a fixed width, but how wide that is will depend on the width of your screen. Hmm. So if you have a big screen, okay. it'll be fixed at a bigger width than if you had a smaller screen. So it has these predefined possible widths and it will be one of those predefined possible widths depending on your screen size. Okay. Whereas the fluid is just always I will take all the space that is available to me. Okay. But that's not the case of bartb.ie. It's the same width no matter what I do. Yeah, the, the bartb.ie is the same idea with exactly one width. <laughs> okay. It's like a much more primitive version of the same idea. All right. But, you know, you have your content in the middle and the space around it is equally distributed. Mm-hmm. So that's container and container-fluid. So that's all we really need to say about containers. So containers contain rows. You make a row by giving some tag the class row. That's straightforward enough. Um, And then you make columns by giving... Well, there's there's not one CSS class for columns. So all of the CSS classes for columns begin with the letters COL, but there are many of them. Um... For columns of a specific width, it's very straightforward. There are 12 virtual columns, so if you want yours to be 4 wide, you say call dash 4. If you want it to be 5 wide, you say call dash 5. If you want it to be full width, you say call dash 12. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can also say, just take whatever room happens to be free, which is just call. Hmm. So if you imagine you had three columns, and the first one you said call 4, and the last one you said call 4, and in the middle one you just said call then it would just be whatever is left over, which is 4, 4, uh, that's 8 gone, so it would be 4. <laughs> right. If you then changed your mind and made the last one 3, then the middle one that you didn't give a specific size to would jump to 5. Okay, all right. 
it just basically takes up whatever's left. If you have two columns that are both using call, they'll be the same width as each other. Okay. So they'd so be 50, wanted, 50. Yeah, exactly. So if you just or wanted six, two equal six. width columns. Yeah, so you could either say call six, call six, or you could just get lazy and say call, call. Okay. So that's that's all there is to columns for now. Um, and so that is actually the big, the big, big, big picture stuff. Now, I want to take a moment here to mention your favorite word on the planet. That is the word semantic. Okay. You need to make a container and you need to make a row and you need to make columns. So if there is no semantic meaning to the groupings that you're choosing to turn into a row, then you should use a tag which has no semantic meaning. In other words, you should use divs. So a div is a tag that explicitly means nothing. <laughs> right. It's semantic meaning finally, is that it finally has I have the, no meaning. Finally, I have the answer I've been lurking for all these years. What does div mean? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. And it's an explicit nothing, right? P means paragraph. H1 means top-level heading. Div means nothing. It means collect these things together and move them around or style them or whatever. But it is a meaningless collection. Okay. So if your row has no obvious relationship to itself, use a div. But if your row happens to make up the page header, then you should use the semantic tag from HTML5, which is header. If your row happens to make up a page footer, then you should use the semantic tag footer. Uh, hang if your on. column is an aside, you should use the tag aside. Okay, so columns and rows, you're saying you use the semantic names? Semantic yeah, basically, tags? If, if the thing that you're trying to turn into a container, a row, or a column is a logical piece of content that has a semantic meaning, then use the semantic tag. Okay. So if you're going to make the entire header into one column, well, then use the header tag. Right. It would functionally still work, but it wouldn't be as valuable to the observer, being the browser or being the, uh, well, or actually, a screen reader. A screen reader. Or it might actually not be styled correctly. So if you used uh, just use div when you really meant a header, a header four, it wouldn't be the right size and color and shape and all that. Okay. Well, so when I say header, I mean the tag header, H-E-A-D-E-R, not H1. Oh, what's it? So the sem- the semantic tags are header, main, footer are the top level semantic tags. The header oh, okay. of your page, the footer oh, okay. of your page, okay. the main oh, we're, content We're of at the page. whole page level now. Yeah. Then inside the main section, you may or may not have multiple articles, in which case you have the article tag. You may or may not have multiple sections, in which case you have the section tag. You may or may not have asides, in which case you have the aside tag. Okay. So they are the semantic tags. Okay. Um, and so it may make sense to use those for your grid. But okay. But only me... use them if it actually makes sense, is what I'm saying. Okay. Hold, please. I've had a question for quite a while here that I need to get in. So you just said that we're going to call it call. We're going to call it row. But you now you're saying we're not going to call it row or call. We're going to call it by its semantic tag. That confuses me. Okay, is okay. one inside no, no. the other? Do you say call header? No, no. header? Okay, call is a class. Row is a class. Container is a class. Okay, so... Section is a tag. So header space class equals call. Bingo. Okay. I mean, you would, that would never row. happen in that what I just said, but okay. All right. Yes. Gotcha. So basically what I'm saying... So, 
right. I don't you think have, she said they were imagine, classes. Cause that, that I, I missed that. That clarifies it. Okay. Okay. Um. So a good example to use would be the page header, right? So if you're doing good semantic markup, your entire page header, whether it be some sort of banner or whatever, is going to be wrapped inside a header tag. Now, you could wrap that header tag inside a div tag and then give the div the class row. But what have you done there? You've cluttered up your markup with a div that contains exactly one thing, your header. Why not just make the header the row? Okay. So don't make these needless divs, right? If there's a tag sitting there, just use it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm I'm having trouble picturing this, but okay. I, I, it's not... You'd be it's happy not to visual know the yet. Worked example are marching towards this conversation. <laughs> Thank goodness. Okay. Um, but before we get there, I want to say three more little things, and then we do our worked example. Um, so, it is perfectly valid to stick more physical columns into your row than fit. In which case, one will wrap around onto the next row within a row. At which point, you might have less than twelve worth of width left over on each of your two rows, yes? I have n- Imagine you have no a call 9 and a call said, 5. Okay. All right. Okay. Nine you have a five. call 9 and a call 5. That adds up to 14. Mm-hmm. That means that the 5 is going to drop down below the 9. Yep. So your row now contains two rows, one of which is oh, 9. Oh, wait, the entire 5 goes down, not just the, the last The entire two- 5 goes down. No, no, the entire 5 goes down. Oh, because okay. it's one column. It just happens to be five yeah. pretend columns okay. wide. Okay, which means you got leftover space on both rows. you got two bits of leftover space. So the question is, where does the leftover space go? Does it go evenly left and right? Does it go all to the left? Does it go all to the right? Well, the answer is, a grid is actually, under the hood, a flex box. So you choose where the space goes using exactly the same utility classes we learned about in installment 54 the ones for flex boxes. So justify content between, justify content around, etc. Hmm. If you do nothing, does it all just go to the right? Uh, left. The, it just hangs on to the left. The emptiness goes to the left? Oh, sorry. No, okay. The fullness goes to the left. The emptiness goes Thank to you. the right. That makes more sense. Okay. Because we read left to right. Maybe in other languages exactly. it goes right to left. Who knows? Okay. It probably goes in the same as the text dash direction under the hood, actually. So yeah, so it might go the other way around, Arabic, right? It would probably go the other way, yeah. If we have any Arabic the listeners, thi- they should tell us that. That would be fun. <laughs> it would. The other thing that is worth mentioning are gutters. So within a bootstrap grid, by default, if you do nothing, bootstrap will create appropriate paddings between the various columns and rows so that your content doesn't bash into itself. This is a good thing 99.9% of the time. But if for some reason that you need your content in the adjacent, for want of a better word, cells to touch each other, what you have to do is tell Bootstrap you don't want any gutters. And you do that on a row-by-row level by giving the row the class no-gutters. And then the gutters go away. Okay. So can can I... Back up to a question maybe I should have asked at the beginning. I haven't heard it yet. Are we, We're talking about layout of the entire page. Oh, yeah, this is where I should have read my own notes more carefully. Yeah, you can lay out the entire page, or you can just lay out a small part of it. You can create a grid at any level. Okay. So 
it's remember it's it's buckets all the way down. You can say at any point in your page. So you could float something to the right and then say, and inside that thing I floated to the right, in here, create me a grid, please. And it will create twelve very, very small atomic columns. And I do that by saying container. And you do that with container. I don't exactly. say grid. I say container. Are the class container yeah. container is a class? Exactly. Okay. Yes. So I so give class, a div, maybe a class maybe. of container, and then I can start doing all this nonsense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Or you can do it for the whole page by putting your div at the very, very, very outside so that you have body and then you have div, class equals container, and then you're doing it for the whole page. Okay. But you don't have to do it for the whole page. You can also have grids all the way down. So inside a column, you could have another container. And then in there, you could have a row and then a column. And inside that, you could have another container. Okay, which explains why I didn't understand what that thing was at the beginning of my web page that says, and I quote, container-fluid. I remember looking at that going, where did that come from? I didn't write that. What is that? You didn't, because in installment 52, I said to you, for now, plop this at the top and bottom of your page, and I'll explain why later. (laughs) Hello, this is later. Okay, all right. So I'm actually, I'm actually in the show notes. Yeah, I'm actually more comfortable thinking about it in the smaller context. It was when you start talking about the header, I was like, wait a minute, I thought we could make little ones, and now we're talking about the whole page. Yeah, it, it works at every level. So you can use it. So one place you really would want to have this kind of control is if you wanted to have, like, in your sidebar, a little sort of thing that looks like a business card where you have some stuff to the right and some stuff to the left. Mm-hmm. You could put a little a little grid in there and lay stuff out. That's fun. But... You know, at the very, very biggest level, if you have a website that's based off Bootstrap, you're going to have a grid covering the whole page so that you have your sidebars and all those kind of things, and they're going to be managed with a grid. So they're going to be broken up into units of 12, hmm. or into twelfths. I don't do sidebars anymore, Bart. Sidebars are yeah, so 2010. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Certainly not on narrower pages. Anyway... <laughs> So I told you for now, you know, to just, without thinking about it, wrap everything in div class equals container dash fluid mt dash three, div class equals row, div class equals call 12. I really so hadn't call... just read that, Bart. I, I know. I, I organically said that and it is literally the next thing in the show notes. Okay. I know. It's great. Thank you. <laughs> so the call means. 12 is easy, right? That's a full width column. Mm-hmm. The row is easy. And to be honest, the container fluid part is definitely easy. So why is there an MT3? By default, once you enable Bootstrap on a page, all of the padding on the entire web page goes away. And that is because it's very fashionable these days to have the top of your website completely touch the top of your browser because usually these days it's a little menu bar. Ah, right. So by default, there is absolutely no margin on top. But when we're experimenting with Bootstrap, that just looked wrong. So I basically went margin top three, MT3. Okay. Hey, presto, now there's a margin on top again. Hmm. I got rid of MT3 and my stuff doesn't smash up to the top. That's probably because you gave us a row with M3. He was going to say that then there's something below it then that also has margin. And then a P3. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... That bit of mystery that I told you to wait on, there you go. That's now been resolved. <laughs> so now that's all the new, that's all I'm going to teach you today, right? That that is so. A grid has twelve virtual columns wide. A grid contains rows contain columns. Mm-hmm. That's what I want you to take away from today. Okay. So now let's actually do this. 
So as a worked example, we're going to use, you're going to find it in the zip file. You're going to find, um, actually, we didn't look at our examples because I did an example of um, a very, very common thing, which is a three-column layout. So that was PBS 57B, just shows you columns in action. It's basically a call three, a call, and a call three. And okay. so the middle call takes the remaining space. We kind of, we talked about it. Talked about it, yeah. It, but okay. So if you want to see that in action, it's PBS 57B. So last time we had uh, a whole bunch of statistics from a recent referendum in Ireland that we used to lay out our figures and our tables. So I used that as a starting point, and I threw in a little bit more content. I threw in two sections at the bottom for further reading and for sources. Um, and I decided to make it container instead of container fluid, so that that way it's always going to be exactly the same width on our screens while we're playing with it today. Just it just makes things a little bit simpler. What's going to be fluid? The whole the whole page? No, no, I it's not know. fluid. So if you okay, so if you look at the first line in fifty seven C, so inside the body HTML. tag. Oh, okay. Okay, so inside the body tag, the first okay. thing you're going to find is div class equals container. Okay, instead of container not fluid. Not container fluid. Yeah, so just container. So that means that it's the width is not going to be moving around. It's The width is the width, assuming you have it wide enough to be on a desktop. Okay. So we are going to lay out this page. So right now, as our starting point, everything is just one thing on top of the other. We have a header, then we have some sections, then we have some tables and things, but basically it's one thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. Everything is just balloons floating up, the basic HTML stuff. There is one container, which contains one row, which contains one column of width 12. So this is basically a one-by-one one table at the moment, if you want to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. So there is no layout here. Right. right? That, is, that is effectively no layout. So we're going to lay this out. But actually, before we lay this out, we should we should actually do the right thing and mark this thing up semantically. Because mm -hmm. right now it isn't semantically marked up, right? There are clearly sections here because they start with a heading and then they have some content and then you have another heading and some more content. So there's clearly sections on this page, but they're not actually contained in section tags. The page has an obvious header, but it's not contained in a header tag. And the page obviously has a main content section and it's not contained in a main tag. So before we start to lay this out, we should actually mark this up properly so that we have all of our pieces properly semantically labeled. Because the chances are a whole bunch of those semantic tags will become useful to us as parts of our layout. Okay. Does that make sense? So I believe the you. First thing I did, <laughs> the first thing I did was to rewrite it a little bit to make us into PBS 57D which still has no layout, but it has inserted the semantic tags. So if you open it up, oh, you'll wait. see that. So we aren't going to work it. We're going to just jump to the next one. That's going to hurt um, my head. I was ready to start editing and watch the changes, but... Oh, if you like, we can do it one by one. Well, um, I mean, that so might be slower first... than you need, but uh, I, I don't know if I, I'll be sitting there trying I to jump talk. back and forth of, of which one's which. Well, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk you through them. Okay. Because it's important. Okay. I was just going to talk you through them with the finished code instead of typing them. Okay. I, I so the just can't see I'd... them both. Well, maybe I can see them both at once. Hang on. Uh, I don't think you need open. to, because I'm going to tell you literally what, like, literally exactly everything that changed. I think it'll be okay. Okay. It, it, this is hard, so I'm I'm having trouble keeping up. We'll see if I can... Okay. 
Okay. I've got them in two windows now, so I can try to follow along. Okay. Okay. So if you just look at the page in Code Runner, just hit the play on it, right? The top of the page, we have a big header that says Ireland votes May 2018. And then we have a lead paragraph with a, a quick sort of, on the 25th of May 2018, the people yep. of Ireland voted in a referendum. Yak, 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 yak. So I would suggest that the H1 and the P class equals lead, those two together are actually the heading of the page. So what is the heading of a page? It's the bit of the page that that is that you would describe as the heading. It's a semantic tag. You're saying this is this is the heading. This is what the page. So is. it doesn't have any more value than saying. Um, well, no, I can't think of an example. Well, like, well, no, H four has meaning. Um, okay, I don't know what it. It doesn't. You this could put this the anywhere page then. together. You could, in theory, it would be very strange not to have it at the top. I mean, in a newspaper, you would see something as being the lead or whatever. It's you know, it's not strictly defined. You're just saying this this bit together is clearly the top stuff. So okay. I just wrapped the heading and the and the lead paragraph inside the the semantic header tag. It is me saying consider these two together to be the top of the page. By the way, I've just been looking at the wrong thing. Okay, I was looking at the head. We're not talking about the head. Nope, we're talking about the header. Okay. Now I'm with you. Okay. All right. Everything else on that page is content, right? There's no sidebar. There's no navigation section. There's no footer. Literally everything else on that page is main content. Hmm. So I wrapped everything else in a tag main. So from line 20 down as far as line 668 is all wrapped inside main. Okay, but there's a whole bunch of divs outside of that. Man, there's it's the getting container, hard to keep track. The row and the call. Um, one, the two, three. Top of the page, three. we open okay. our container. Three, got it. Okay. Yeah. Container, row, call. All right. Okay. But you so give it a class, very, very, but very... then don't give it a class. You say class equals and just some quotes. Is that because we're going to play right, with that but... later? Well, because we could, right? I've gotten into the habit in these template files of just sticking all the empty classes in so you can play. Okay. It doesn't mean we will. It just means you can. Okay. Uh, so the next thing then, as I said, that the page is broken into multiple sections, right? The amendment and then the paragraph describing the amendment. Those two together are a unit. They are a section of the page. Hmm. So they're wrapped in section tags. I haven't ever done a section. I don't, again, not sure what that would... I feel well, like header, really helpful to heading, headings tell you that you've got a new section. I mean, here's a heading. That would be a new thing. But it doesn't tell you where it ends. It doesn't tell you where it ends. There's no containment. It ends when the next one starts. <laughs> but there's no bucket there. But screen readers don't look for the end of a bucket. They look for the next bucket. You you jump well, heading to heading. They may or may not. If, no, he, that's the way they if, work. They jump heading to heading to heading. That's a way they can work. Um, in terms of something trying to analyze your page to understand your page for a search engine, it's extremely helpful if you actually mark out that these things together form a unit. Why would a search engine care about sections within a web page? Uh, because it's if it's trying to understand what's going on in a page so we can give you more relevant page results, it absolutely wants to understand what you're saying, not just the keywords, right? We, we've gone beyond the days where you, you, it just looks for keywords and then indexes the web that way. 
all the search engines are being as clever as they can. They're trying to extract meaning, semantic meaning from those pages. And the more semantic tags you use to help them out, the better they're going to do at understanding you. Hmm. Okay. And so the point of semantic tags is to say what something is. So those together are a section. So mark them as such. So every time so I do are, a heading, I have to put a section before it, and before the next heading, I have to put a section right before that. You don't have to. No, you but don't I mean, have to. But I mean, that's what we're learning to do. That that just seems like a lot of stuff. Or doesn't seem like it gives me any more information than I already had. If I didn't well, use groups, headings, if, yes, that would make sense. Okay, but this allows us, once they are now in buckets, we can now sling these sections around. We can lay each out individually because they're now each individual yeah. unified pieces of content. I right? see the value there. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll bite. And they're buckets with meaning. So we may as well use a semantic tag. We could wrap them in a div and then we can sling them about left okay. and right. Okay, I got you. it tells us nothing. Yeah. Fewer divs, the better. Yeah, only, okay, no, use a div when it has no meaning. Use a semantic tag when it does have meaning. Right, right? So, so do things like, that have meaning. Don't do things that don't have meaning in your life, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the meaning of a page and how it looks are separate things. <laughs> okay. So you should use a semantic tag when it has meaning and a not semantic tag when it doesn't. Right. So the next section is a big section. It contains a heading and then one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs and an aside are all in the next section. Okay. And then I decided, just because I wanted a sidebar, to take the little table and the figure and put them separately as, an, as a whole big aside. If we're going to you know, sneak peek there. I'm going to make that into a sidebar. Wait, um, wait, hang on. Uh, so right after that, so we've got our little table. Now we've got a, f- we've got a, oh figure. wait. The above section. Oh, the above section was copied. Okay. So now why do you yeah. just do an aside? Why is that not part of a section? Well, it is part of a section. That aside... Okay, so mm-hmm. the side that says the above section is inside the section it's talking about. Right, but the one below that is next... just an aside. There's no there's no section around it. Right, because it isn't a section. It is, it is an aside. It is a little table and a little picture. So that's actually not the main body of the document, right? It's not saying anything. It's just some... Oh, here, a by the by. By the way, here's the, the table and here's a picture. So it is actually an aside. Hmm. But you, so you've got a se- an aside that's inside a section, and mm-hmm. then you've got an aside not inside a section, and you're saying it's totally different. But they're both asides. Well, it's not totally different. They're two different asides. One of them is an aside that belongs to a section, and one of them is a side that belongs to the page. Hmm. Okay. You've got meaning in your head about these things that I don't naturally see because they just look like more stuff, right? You can argue about these. Right? The semantic tags are entirely open to arguments. I'm not yeah. going to. I'm not going to get into. There's not like an absolute. I can tell you for. It's a heuristic. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Martin. You're just trying to hurt me today. Okay. Then we have another section which says detailed results, which contains a heading, a figure, a paragraph, and then a gigantic, gigantic, gigantic table, and that takes us to. One final section at the bottom, sorry, two final sections at the bottom that are sources, which contains a list, and then further reading, which contains a list. Okay. So we all we've done is taken the, the same stuff we had before and just wrapped it in a header, main, a bunch of sections, and a few asides. Okay. So we've just given it semantic structure. That's all. All right. Now we are finally ready to start picking things up and throwing them left, right, up, and down, etc. Okay. So we get so, to open D uh, next. Well, you can either type into D or you can open E. Or E, okay. Take your pick. E is the final product we're going to build. So I'm going to do my best to describe every change in English, and it's going to be really confusing. 
So I don't know if you want to read D and imagine changes or read E no, and see I'll go to E. You go to E. Okay. So before we do anything, I'm going to tell you the problem we're trying to solve, right? I have decided how I want this to be laid out, and then I'm going to make it so. Okay. So I am going to say that at the very, very highest level, I'm going to have a container that contains the page heading and the page content at the very, very highest level. So we already have a container at that level. So we're going to just use that container, but split it into two rows instead of one. One row for the heading and one row for everything else. Then inside the everything else, we're going to make three, we're going to make a second container that contains three rows. The first one is going to be a wide main section with the aside as a narrow sidebar. Then we're going to go back to a full width one for the detailed I, results. I need, to, that I need a pen and a piece of paper here to draw out what you're saying, because this is not, uh, this is very visual. I know. Um, uh, well, you can hit play on E to see the final output, I guess. Yeah, but okay. But then I already know the answer. <laughs> but I'm telling you the answer, right? I'm telling you what we're trying to achieve. Okay. Right. So a full width, the header should be full width. Mm-hmm. Then inside, then everything else is going to be a second massive row. And then inside there, we're going to make another grid. And that grid is going to have three rows. The first row in the inner grid is going to have two columns, a wide one that contains all the text, and a narrow one that contains our aside, which is the little table and the picture. That was, the that, that was, in, row, the, that was in the first row. That was in the first row. The second okay. row is the detailed results. And because the map is so big and the table is so big, I want one full width column in that second row. Okay. So detailed results is one full width row. And then at the bottom, our third row is going to contain two equal width columns for sources and future reading next to each other because they're not wide. They don't need the full width. So we save space by putting them next to each other. Okay, now I've got myself a diagram. Okay. Perfect, because <laughs> that's what we want to achieve. So it's the outer grid is easy because it only has two rows in it. So that's, I guess, where we'll start. So we already had... Now, you'll notice in... 57E, I have put comments all over the place saying what I've done. Oh, good. Okay. Because otherwise, my own sanity was gone. <laughs> so when we started the document, we already had a div class equals container MT3. So we can leave that one there. Right. So that container is going to continue to wrap everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then opened a row, which is the first row in the outer container. That used to be the only row, but now it's just going to be the first. So we can leave the opener where it is. Uh-huh. Now, initially we had a div next, but in this case, the entire header is going to become our first row. Sorry, it's going to become the entire content of the first row. So why do we need to create a div if the header takes up exactly the same space? So I have converted my header into a call 12. So, so what do you need the div there? What do you need the div above it for? Containers is- contain rows, contain columns. Div container, oh, okay. div row, header, call. Yeah. Okay. Open outer container. Open the first row in the outer container. Open the only call in the first row of the outer. So container. the header can't be the row and the call twelve. No. So why don't you call it header class equals row, and then header class equals call twelve, because then it would be semantic. Well, it wouldn't because you'd have a header inside a header. You can only have one header on a page. 
So you, you, one of them has to be a div. It's it's completely arbitrary whether you say header class equals row, which contains a div class equals call. Okay. All or right. Div okay. class equals row, header class okay. equals call. That's arbitrary. Okay, good. Okay. I think it should be the other way. But okay, I understand now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes no difference. It okay. genuinely makes absolutely no difference. You can copy them around if you like. Okay. So we then have our header, which is the one and only full width column. And then we close our div. So that is at the end of the first row in the outer container. And then I said everything else on the page is the second row of the outer container. But we already have a tag sitting there. The main tag covers everything else on the page. So I just said, instead of making a div, main class equals row 12. Uh, class equals row. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. It's the opposite of what you just did on the previous one. You did the div. You did. You yeah. literally did the exact opposite on the second one. So there isn't a convention even within a, a page. It, it it actually makes no difference, right? Okay. Because the, they're just one inside the other. Like it's if you hover over it, the main like, in terms of actual text, whether they it's a header or a div or a div or the header. The point is every everything analyzing the page knows that the header contains the h one and the p. Remember, the div is meaningless, right? So it just a consistency that, would be just all I would be thinking. It would be easier for me okay. to read my own stuff. If I, I I'm had not going to quibble over them o- the same. Over this kind of a trivial code choice because it actually makes no difference. Okay. It's just confusing so, to see it different. That's why I'm bringing it up. Okay. And it was right. me being lazy because the div was already there. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we've got our main class. And now this is going to be that the, the box that's separate from the header. Our, our, right, our so grid, this, I'm sorry. So we're still in the outer grid, which is now the second row. Mm-hmm. So we need to give it a column. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a div class equals call 12. Mm-hmm. And that is the that is now the outer container finished. At the very, very bottom of the page, we close those two, those off again. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to nest another container inside that column. So that we say div class equals container. We'll come back to the P... Well, no, we won't come back to the P0. Containers have padding by default. In this case, that would mean that all of our headers would be slightly indented from the page, from the the nice display title at the top of the page, which would look wrong. We don't want, we want this container to be invisibly there just to lay stuff out. So P0 means no padding. Right. So that's just there to stop unwanted padding. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, We have to have a row. Okay, div class equals row. And then our first column is going to contain a few sections. So there's nothing there that already has that function. So we have to have another div class equals call. And in there we have one section, two sections, three sections. And that's the end of that. So then we have close off our div, which is the end of the first column inside the first row of the inner container. Hmm. Then we want the sidebar. Sorry. (laughs) I was expecting to see a a container that had two columns. One for the text and one for the the aside. Okay, so that there, we're now at the end of the text. And then we have the aside, which has call four. So that's exactly what you're seeing. So on line 58... Oh, so oh, okay. So so the text is just getting called, so it's getting eight because the other one's going to go get four. 
Yeah. Got you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the, our 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 first box below the header, our first grid below the header, is only going to have one row. We, we're we're working on the first row now. The second row will be the detailed results, and the third row. Oh, that's will right. Be... Row doesn't get one or two or anything in it. It just always is just row. A rows, a rows, a row. Okay, yeah. it's calls that get to get numbers. Got you. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we then do the aside as call four, so it becomes a right sidebar of width four. So we can scroll by that. Do 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 do. We then close off our aside tag. We close off our div. So that's the end of the first row. Now, the entire detailed results section is going to be the next row. So we can just use the section tag. So we just give it the class row. Uh, can you give me a line number? Cons- I'm 113. Okay. I'm, I just found the aside. So, okay, we're, we're past So on it. 110, we closed the aside. So that was the column. Okay. And then on 111, we close the row that that column is in. So that is the row that contains the two columns next to each other. The call and the call four. Okay. And then we're ready to start row number two, which is a full width. We want it to contain one full width column. So the section tag is sitting there ready for us to use. So let's just use it. Mm-hmm. Section class equals row. Mm-hmm. And then we have to have a column, even if it's going to be one column, the full width. So div class equals call 12. Why don't you just call it call? Why do you have to Could. say call 12? You, okay, either Could way. Could do if you like. Okay. Either way. Um, and then we give it a H1. Well, basically all the content is copy-pasted. Mm-hmm. Right. Giant big table. Huge big table. Huge, huge, huge table. So I give you a line number. Okay. So we then close off that huge, huge, huge big uh, line 643. We close off the column. Mm-hmm. And then on line 644, we close off the row. Gotcha. So we now okay. have two rows. A full width row finished. Two rows finished. Okay. Now we're just left with the last row, which contains two sections. So we need to make a new div because there's nothing connecting those sections together otherwise. So div class equals row. Mm-hmm. And then our first section, we give it the class call because we're lazy. <laughs> so you and just kind of sometimes say call and sometimes say call 12 depending on your mood. Well, no, in this case, it would be call six because there's two of them, right? Because on line 662, we say class, okay. section class equals call oh, again. Okay. Right, right. And that's it. We're finished. Then we just have all of the matching closing tags. Okay. So this would be easier than trying to do my float left, float right nonsense. Yes, it would actually. Because the grid will just go where you put it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Like floating is nice within a paragraph of texts. Because it just gives you that sort of nice feel of, you know, an image sort of gently floated off to the right that the text wraps around. But for anything else, floating tends to start getting annoying because as people resize their browser, the paragraphs become shorter and the floats start to wallop into each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you lay them out as a grid, then it all behaves much more predictably as people resize their browser window. Especially next week when we learn to have things collapse as we want using the responsive design. I think you should put a P dash three on your uh on your final uh div. Your text is hitting that gray line. I fixed it for you. Oh thank you. <laughs> I I think I follow it. I'm definitely glad we didn't go line by line and try to build that. That would have been uh difficult. But, oh, yeah, uh, I, the blog post contains the instructions. Mm-hmm. They were horrible to write. Yeah. 
I think a graphic would be the way to do it. It's just to say, this is where we're going to end up. We had to have these, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. If I had time, I would have. I'm a mechanical engineer. I, could, I, I couldn't have done it in my head without drawing a picture first. So that's what I'll do when I, when I, I assume I'm going to mess with my recipe. Pretty much your assignment is lay out your recipe any way you like. <laughs> Uh-oh. Wide open. But, huh? I mean, everyone's, everyone's recipe is going to be different. So there's no point in me saying that you should have a sidebar or whatever. It's, it really, really is up to you how you think your recipe will be the most human friendly. Yeah. Uh, but w- whatever way you think will work for your recipe, make it so. You know what's fun? Go back and look at your first recipe page. Yeah. And then that start is definitely seeing... where, So when we're fully finished here, that is exactly what I want to do is take you right the way back to the first one and say, see, this is where we came from. This is what Bootstrap does to a page. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. I may not have my very first one. Look, I'm only seeing the one for 54 and there should be a 53. My 53 isn't there. Oh no. Maybe it is. Anyway, that, as you say, even in our worked example, we can already start to see the power of these layouts because we have, we have our nice page header. We have our nice text with the the sort of accompanying material very nicely to the right of it as a well ordered column. Then we have our full width details, and then down the bottom we just have our nice little two parallel columns for the sources and for the reading. Yeah, yeah, this is fun. This one's going to be yeah. a little harder for me, but I'm going to draw a picture first. <laughs> and always remember. So I'm going to keep this four things to remember: containers. Rows, columns, yeah. and 12. <laughs> That's the entire thing today is containers contain rows, contain columns, 12. Right, right. That's what I want you to remember. And you're going to forget, and then your stuff isn't going to work. And then you're going to think to yourself, what was the four things where it said containers, rows? Oh, sugar, I forgot the row. <laughs> or containers, rows, columns. Oh, sh- sh- no column. Promise you, because I did it a million and one times. Okay, well, it's good to know where our mistakes are going to be to start with. That's uh, that's that's always good to know. And you have to learn to add the twelve. You know, I'm not too bad at twelves. If you'd done thirteen, I'd have just walked away and not done it. It's thirteen I have trouble with, and eights. Eights are a problem for me. <laughs> eights, I quite like eight. Thirteen is just evil. Yeah, well, like eight and five being thirteen at any given moment. I, eight and five is sometimes eleven in my head. I don't know. I, I just have I have trouble with eights in addition. So that's another well, the, story. Well, the call tag is your friend then. Yeah, because if you're not sure, you just say like, "I'll give the two I want an actual width, and the other one is just uh, the leftovers." Whenever it comes to. Well, this is cool. I like it. Excellent. I like it. You got me there. Phew. <laughs> I was a bit worried because while it's easy to say, it's not nearly as easy to do. Yeah, we'll, to yeah, we'll see whether I'm saying nice things about you after I do the homework. <laughs> expect to expect it to go wrong a few times and then it'll click. Okay. I would say. Good, good, good. And I'll cheat off Dorothy's okay. paper anyway. <laughs> All right. This sounds like uh yeah, we do. We do. We we uh, we discuss this on the elliptical, believe it or not. With absolutely no visual aids, I am mightily impressed. Well, we we get tangled and lost a lot. I didn't say it worked well. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. 
He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to letstashtalk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.